welcome to the Healing Station with Dr. Davis. I am your host, Dr. Davis. And of course, as usual, I got my people with me. Sylvia, go ahead and introduce yourself to the people. <laughs> hey, everyone. I am Queen Sylvia Speaks. I am so great to be here for yet another episode talking about the feels. Okay. The feelings. We all have them and we all need to talk about them. Absolutely. And so today's feeling or condition of the heart that we will be talking about is shame. And I know this one might be a tough one, might be one that we don't fully understand. I know as I was preparing for this, a lot was revealed to me about my own walk with shame and how that has manifested in my life. So before we get started in our conversation I wanted to define shame because I feel like how can we talk about something that we don't even know like what the definition is and words are important so shame is defined as this self-conscious emotion arising from the sense that something is fundamentally wrong and a lot of times when we are dealing with shame there could be two tapes that are playing in our head one tape is saying I am never good enough while another one could be who do you think you are so both of those are tapes that could be playing in your head when you are dealing with shame any thoughts on that you're like no that's fine that's good right where it is so I know when it comes to shame we can get it mixed up with guilt um so I wanted to like kind of tease that out so guilt versus shame guilt is behavior focused and it's more external so I did something bad or I did something wrong is where guilt comes from while shame is more self-focused and internal where it's like I am bad so that is the difference between the two when you're dealing with guilt versus shame where it's like the guilt more of like the behavior, the external thing that I did was bad. And I feel bad about that. While shame is more like, I feel bad about me, <laughs> like something's wrong with me. And so that is where um, the shame comes from. Or the That's interesting. Out, um, I'm glad you were able to kind of help define the difference between guilt and shame. Um, I guess two things. One, would you say that guilt and shame could kind of like be interchangeable? I don't feel like they're interchangeable, but they're related. Okay. So a lot of times guilt can turn into shame or shame can turn into guilt. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think they're related because a lot of these feelings, you know, we've talked before, they come together. It's like, I feel fear, then I feel sad. I feel like, you know, so this is shame and guilt. Like they're very much related. And a lot of times they're present with each other, if you you will. Um, But they're not, they're too distinct heart conditions or two distinct feelings um at the same time they come together and that's why it's so easy to get them confused and be like oh i feel guilty but mm, is it guilt or is it shame is it guilt is it really <laughs> is it guilt <laughs> it can't is be it? along with the shame <laughs> it can't be um it's making me think about when i think about this and i want to read through this bible story mm-hmm. um and maybe you can better define kind of what is happening in this moment, in this scenario. So I want to go to Matthew 26, verse 33. Let me pull it up. Matthew 26, verse 33. And so this is a moment at the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, 
with Jesus and his disciples and Jesus is essentially like saying all the things that's about to happen and he's talking about how people are going to start falling away and be scattered and all of the things like that and he's going to be raised to life after he dies on the cross um and so starting at verse three this is Peter one of his disciples it says um we're going to go to 33 through 35 which says um Peter replied to him talk him is Jesus Peter replied to him, though they all fall away because of you and doubt and disown you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, I assure you and most solemnly say to you this night before the rooster crows, you will completely deny me three times. Peter said to Jesus, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same thing. Um, so this is one moment. Let's keep going with the story. I want to go to Luke 22, verse 54, verse 54 through 62, which says, um, so this is what's happening. Uh, this is now the time, come the time. So they've had the Lord's Supper. And so now we're in the moment where um, Jesus is about to, Jesus is getting arrested, essentially, um, because one of his disciples betrayed him and pointed out where he was. And so they came and arrested him. And so in this moment, it says that verse 54, it says, then they seized him and led him away. Him is Jesus and brought him to the elegant house of the Jewish, uh, Jewish high priest. And Peter was following at a safe distance after they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter set among them and okay verse 56 and a serving girl seeing him as he sat in the firelight and looking int intently at him said this man was with him too him is talking about jesus mm -hmm. um but peter denied it saying woman i do not know him a little later someone else had someone else saw him and said you are one of them too but peter said Man, I am not. After about an hour had passed, another man began to insist. This man was with him, for he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. Immediately, while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked at him, looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord how he had told him before a rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly, deeply grieved and distressed. So kind of what would you say is happening in this moment um, between the Lord telling him like, Hey, you're going to deny me. And Peter's like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to, not going to. And then turns around and denies the Lord. Sure enough. So first pride is letting him think that he, he won't fall. <laughs> and I think a lot of us like pride comes before the fall. And so it's like, he's like, Oh, I would never do that. What do you, what do you me? No. Um, so that piece stood out. Um, then from there, there is this guilt and shame that takes place. I, I see a lot of guilt, um, that's present in that moment where it's just like, Oh, I can't believe I did this. Um, and then the shame that can come with that as well where it's just like what's wrong with me why would I why would I deny him um, I didn't believe I could do it and a lot of um, what I would define as unhealthy shame puts us in this position to 
not believe that we could make mistakes. It puts us in this prideful place. Um, and so that I see a mixture of guilt and shame in that moment with Peter as he's realizing mm-hmm. that he's human and he too yeah. can mess up. And I guess if you could say like in that moment in the beginning where he's like, I'm not, you know, I would never, me? No, that's a space of like shamelessness, right? Because mm-hmm. um, shamelessness, and, you know, it can talk about it's the fact of, you know, how we can act as though we are incapable of being at fault, which is like goes into like, like yeah, and wrong. And or as if um, we are only responsible for problems, which are people who like become martyrs for things or something like that. Um, so would you say like because you need this like harmony, would you say that essentially kind of like having some form of shame is essential to have to keep you in a space that is allowing yourself to be in a create a space of humility before Mm -hmm. you you know what would you have suggested peter do in that moment if the lord or if somebody is pointing out something in you and saying hey listen i'm noticing these habits about you or i'm noticing this thing about you this is going to keep happening this is going to happen if you keep acting this certain way what would you say would be a healthy way to respond to that process it <laughs> like I think a lot of times when we hear criticism if you will or feedback that is challenging us to grow or it's calling us higher that we in our pride can choose defensiveness and that's what he chose it's like oh no ah that's what it that's what it is it's like I won't do that I, I'm not capable but a good response to that is is be quiet and and listen and take some time and chew on it. Like don't just jump on it right away because a lot of times that knee-jerk reaction will be to become defensive when people are like trying to call you higher or yeah. trying, you know, to help you out. And so, and I think another thing to, you know, the heart of Jesus and a lot of people who are um, trying to give us that feedback that we know their heart. So it's when knowing the heart of the person that's sharing with you, like, you know, this person loves you, cares about you, is for you, is literally on the, cause we can't grow in, ter- we need people on the outside that can see things that we are blind to. So, you know, this person's heart, you know, this is not coming from a place that's malicious. So don't respond right away. Like sit on it and be like, you know, Hmm. Maybe this is, and kind of like be able to process through like why this is hard for you to take in, like what's taking place internally. Um, so be curious. That that honestly is the best response, in my opinion, is, is to be curious. So yeah, yeah. being curious and being able to like even talk through with the person, whether it's an internal piece as well, but that curiosity, I would say is the best response. Um, in the book, The Voice of the Heart that we are reading from, one of the things it talks about is how um, shame, healthy shame is an admission of truth. Um, mm-hmm. And it helps us to realize um, the commonality among all people and accept our differences. Um, and it elicits the experience of being conscious of our own limitation in our own giftedness. And something I thought was very profound is like, shame that cultivates humility which allows you to have operate in appropriate authority you know a lot of times we can get to a space where we are trying to operate from a place that we have not experienced that we have not been in and we can't 
gift anybody anything that we don't, we haven't received ourselves. We haven't empathized with ourselves. We haven't experienced ourselves. Um, and so I just, I, it makes me think about, and it, so it requires like when I think about shame and I think about, you know, being able to acknowledge how we are very limited and we need mm-hmm. the help of other people's, you know, like I'm really gifted at administrative things. I'm really gifted at, you know, visionary stuff, but trying to run a business, I also need help with, yeah. you know, people who are good with marketing, people good with outreach and, you know, all of these different things like that. And it just makes me think about, um, uh, what's the scripture, which talks about the different gifts um, that we all have, which is first Corinthians 12, um, which talks about how, you know, each gift of the spirit, um, um, are different and they serve different purposes. Um, so what are your kind of your thoughts about shame helping us to realize the the giftedness that we have inside of us or the uniqueness that we have inside of us? Cause shame in its healthy form encourages us to self-accept like accept who we are how God made us our interdependence um it accepts the fact that we are in need that we are not perfect that we are in need of a savior that we are in need of our brothers and sisters like that and that's okay and it's nothing to be ashamed about that neediness that that's what brings us together and so as you were talking, that's what it made me think of, like the interconnectedness of our humanity and how we all are, he didn't give it all to one person. Like, so none of us are God and none of us can claim that. And he just gave us each a part of the body, if you will, or a part of what's needed for the whole. And so we have to come together and work together um, by nature, by design, if you will. Yeah, it's making me think about Philippians 2. Verse two, which says, so I'm asking you, my friends, that you may be joined together in perfect unity with one heart, one passion and united in one love. Walk together with harmonious purpose and you will fill my heart with unbounded joy. Be free from pride filled opinions for they will only harm your cherished unity. Don't Mm -hmm. allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts. But in authentic humility, put others first and view others as more important than yourselves. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests. And consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation or let this mind that's in Christ Jesus also be in you. Um, I just feel like that scripture alone, that passage alone really like, is like to avoid being in a space of toxic shame and being in a space where you have shamelessness and kind of just doing whatever you want to do. Like keep yourself in a humble space essentially and recognize that you need other people to be able to get some type of goal done, get some type of goal accomplished, um, whatever it is. So it just kind of makes me think about that. I think that's a perfect ex- scripture to mm-hmm. describe. Thanks. And just talks about empathy and how important and that empathy and that vulnerability and how if we put ourselves in that position to care for others, how in that we are cared for, too, Mm because if everyone has this mindset, nobody's left out. Nobody's goes without or is not getting their needs met. But because of pride and fear and all the other things that come in the way, we're like, oh, I got to be self-precision. Like, I can't trust nobody. I got to do it myself. And so that's when we become like 
me, 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 which then sets us up for toxic shame because you ain't going to be able to do it by yourself. You're going to fail trying to do everything by yourself because you're not gifted in everything on purpose, by design. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's okay. It may, yeah. <laughs> so I think that's a perfect like scripture to wrap all of that like into a nice bow. Um, and it just makes me think of like why sh- toxic shame and unhealthy shame, whatever you want to call it, um, is bad. And why that is something that we want to ensure that we check our hearts and not fall into. Uh, I know that shame from a psychological standpoint is highly correlated with addiction, aggression, Mm -hmm. violence, depression, bullying, suicide, eating disorders, and anxiety. And so it just makes for poor mental health when we're operating in toxic shame and also just poor connections and relationships in general. And we know we heal in relationships. So we're operating in shame. We're going to hide. We're not going to connect with other people. We're not going to be vulnerable. We're not going to have empathy. So nobody wants to be around that. (laughs) And so it just puts you in this position to be alone and rejected, if you will, um, rejecting yourself and then also other people being a part of that too, because they don't want to be around that, that prideful, you know, arrogance, whatever you want to call it. Um, And so, and another thing is I think about spiritually, like it keeps us from really knowing our true identity in Christ. Like, and it keeps us from really understanding that, exploring that and walking in the fullness of that. So thus keeping us hidden, keeping us sick and keeping us unknown. So those are some thoughts that come up as well. Yeah, that's pretty good. As you say that in regards to identity, right? Like, how can you understand what you're gifted to do and how you can help and serve others and help solve problems and be the solution if you don't truly understand who you are and what your identity is? And it just makes me always, I always go back to Genesis about how in Genesis 2, I believe it's Genesis 2.25, which says Adam and his wife were both naked and unashamed. They were mm-hmm. living in perfection, right? They fully understood who they were and who they were in God. They fully understood what they were purposed to do and called to do, right? The Lord created them. He blessed them, called them to multiply, have rulership and dominion in the earth. He gave Adam the responsibility to identify um, things, till the land, right? Um, he was a tended to the garden, right? All of the things like that. And Eve was to carry and to produce and all of the things like that. But then the moment that sin entered, right, Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden they became ashamed. They became fearful. They became um, uh, prideful. They self-conscious, all of the things like that. And it completely stripped away or tainted, rather, their identity that they once knew without Mm -hmm. shame. Yeah. And that's when they went into hiding and blaming and defensiveness and pride, like all the things. Um, Mm -hmm. And so when I think about it, like that was, that was the moment. It's like them sewing the fig leaves together was a part of that shame. Let's hide, let's hide these things. Um, And it makes me think that we were never meant to experience shame and, and to carry that at all. That was not meant to be a thing. Um, However, thinking about how God turns all things into good and how he can use these things and turn around how there could be a healthy version of something that unfortunately had to enter the the world, if you will, through the fall. And it makes me also think with shame itself, 
what causes shame. So we know like a big part of the genesis of shame is the fall, is sin entering into the world. Um, And we know individually, like shame, as I think about it, is imprinted. So, or injected, if you will, however you want to think about it, how we are not necessarily born self-conscious of all these things, or even we're not born feeling ashamed of our neediness because we are born super dependent Mm -hmm. (laughs) and super okay with that (laughs) because we don't know how to feed ourselves. We don't know how to go potty. (laughs) We don't have to do nothing. And so we are very dependent on our caregivers and our experience with our caregivers is what starts to imprint the things that we grow into and how we start self-inflicting that shame because of whatever they're saying as they kind because of their own unprocessed shame and their own trauma and their own stuff, how they can imprint that on us. And now we become conscious and aware of those things and become um, shamed, if you will, and kind of mm-hmm. perpetuating that shame. So mm-hmm. it makes me think of that piece and how you know, things like trauma, neglect, bullying, rejection, weakening of relationships and just experiences of failure or people telling us that we're a failure or whatever the case may be, uh, just starts that process of imprinting shame on us and how those people can be out of our lives now, but we're now playing those tapes and we hear our voice now instead of like their voice. And so now it's like, oh, I'm bad. I believe I'm bad. Who do I think I am? Because somebody else said it, but now I don't hear their voice. I hear mine, if that makes sense. So, yeah. 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 And so how, what would you say would be the way to kind of break those records, you know, that constantly keep playing in our minds? Cause I remember when I first started going to therapy and I was expressing to the therapist, just different things that, I was constantly experiencing and I was expressing how I would feel about it. So example, like me and feelings, right. Having all of these mm-hmm, feelings, mm-hmm. but over time hearing that feelings are, you know, you shouldn't have all these feelings and you shouldn't feel all these things where it's not that deep, you know, type of things like that. So the therapist had to identify to me, like, that's not your voice. And you need to, you need to cut the tape because that's not, that's not your voice. It's just keep playing. It's at this point, it's a broken record that just keeps playing. And I was like, whoa, that's really deep. I didn't even realize mm-hmm. like, I've yeah. now whatever seed that was planted in me, I've now allowed it and cultivated it myself and allowed it yeah. to grow. So what would you say would be when, when shame comes up, what do we do with it? And how do we break that cycle that leads yeah, but- into like condemnation? Right? Yeah. Empathy is an antidote to shame is what I think about, where it's like being able to um, just show compassion to yourself and being able to, and empathy and vulnerability, the two things that come to mind, where it's like being able to be compassionate to self, being able to be curious, another thing, like, where is this coming from? Um, Being able to be self-accepting of like, I know, um, like I can make mistakes and, and that's okay. And I am needy and I have feelings and that's okay. And then there's nothing wrong with being human. So having that empathy with self where like, there's nothing wrong with my humanity and how God made me. Um, and then also being vulnerable. So even you going and confessing that, which is like letting someone else know what's going on inside of your heart is a part of killing that toxic shame. And so it's coming out of hiding, basically. 
is mm. being able to be empathic towards self, being vulnerable with others, and even yourself, because some of us don't even want to go there with ourselves. <laughs> and then um, just being able to come out of hiding, being able to say me too, if you will. Because when you start talking, like you're not the only one. Like these tapes are not just playing in your head. They're playing in other people's head. But if we all keep it there and we don't confess it and let it out mm. so that we can kill it at its root, then here we are. And so it mm. took somebody else, if you will, and that's why we need each other. That's why we're interdependent. But it took somebody on the outside to be like, hey, that ain't you. Because how can you do that for yourself? Okay. You need somebody on the outside that's able to say that's not you. But go ahead. Um, I was going to say, like, how would you, would you say that this can also intertwine with perfectionism, right? Um, because you're talking about in regards to like self-acceptance, right? Being able to accept the fact that I have needs, being able to accept the fact that I um, have longings and desires that are unfulfilled that I need to reach out for help for, um, mm-hmm. accept the fact that I can only do so much in my own strength and my own power and my own intellect, right? And so with that understanding, that seems like that will also come against perfectionism right mm-hmm. in that space of like everything has to be right everything has to be together I can't admit that you know I don't know how to do something because that goes against you know the fact that my appearance to other people because I would argue that a lot of the roots of perfectionism is shame <laughs> like that because when you talk That's about good. toxic shame is basically saying that my worth is performance so that's why I will say that (laughs) perfectionism is rooted in toxic shame because if my worth is performance and that's what toxic shame is telling me that is what's driving that perform like that I can be perfect like that I need to be perfect if you will um in order to be worthy worthy to myself Mm -hmm. and worthy to these imaginary people yeah because basically we think that people are wanting that and they can't even do it for themselves so they're not requiring that from you um and if they are that's because they require it of themselves and they're projecting their own toxic shame on you and that's what happens with parenting how you have perfectionist parents who are now placing that on their kids and then they continue this cycle if you will so yeah. And then in, in, in the book, it talks about like, you know, self-centeredness versus self-awareness. So like self-centeredness is what we were just talking about in regards to how it focuses on the concern of our appearance, achievements, good works, self-will, um, while discarding the true well-being of other people. And it looks for answers through comparison and competition versus self-awareness is... Um, being able to identify, expose, and express who we are, even when that discovery hurts or points to a need to change. Um, it looks within, as you were saying, like being able to inquire, being able to get curious. Curious. Um, mm-hmm, and listen to others um, and seek out answers to questions of like, who am I? What do I believe? Right. It points you to a further, deeper knowledge of yourself, self, of who you are back to your identity, right? Like, who am I? I know for me, like, I really had to get to that moment of, you know, when you, when I was so focused on what other people thought, what mm-hmm. I did to impress people, to keep people, all of the things like that. It really got to a point where when all of those people kind of disappeared, all of these achievements, whatever stopped being important, 
it was like, who am I? Like, I don't even know who I am. I don't even know what I like to do. I don't even know what inspires me. Like, what am I? You know, you get so used to having so many other people's voices, you know, and especially to like things that you you grow up hearing about yourself that it isn't necessarily right, air quote. Um, But you realize it keeps coming up in you. So it's like, is this something I'm supposed to accept about myself? Like, you don't even Mm. know. We can get to a point where we don't even know that these things are okay to accept within ourselves. Um, So I think that's that's interesting how um, this all kind of correlates to, like, identity and just who you are and being okay with who you are. It's okay. It's fine. And as you were talking, it makes me think how self-awareness, although it has self in the in the name, it really is not about you per se. That self-discovery, if you will, is not um, for selfish ambition. It's more so you can be a part of the whole. So you mm-hmm. can ensure that you're doing your part for the whole, if that makes sense. And yeah. so it's really... It's for others. It, yes, you benefit, but it's for others. I become self-aware for the benefit of others. And yes, I benefit in that because, of course, it's good. And anything that is good, all people will benefit from. And that includes you. However, it is not just about you. While the self-centeredness is going to be more like this is about me, cheating is about me, everything I'm doing is not so much for others. It's just so I can get ahead and you know, yeah. we're not built, we're not inherently built to, to operate in that. And so it's going to lead to negative outcomes. Yeah. And something I, it makes me, I actually just kind of like went through this the other, not too long ago of explaining, you know, who I am to somebody. They were, we were fairly new and getting to know each other. Um, and their understanding of the way I was, was, completely different than the way that I am. And so being able to be in a space where I'm self-aware, like, hey, I'm naturally this way because of X, Y, and Z. And so being able to be aware of that and express that, that allowed a greater benefit for us to be able to understand how to connect with each other and then have a shifted perspective on how to move in a more unison versus kind of like a division type of thing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. To come together and really connect. So self-awareness, helps you build connection because now you know where you stand and you know who you connect with in that in that sense because you know who's operating in that way that it works together and so I love that but yeah Mm -hmm. as you were talking it just made me think like it really unifies us when we become that self-aware um not self-conscious and and kind of coming down on ourselves and all that but just being aware of like who we are in him in Christ if you will um and what we were created to be and how we operate what our gifts are and it puts us in a position where we are celebrating the differences, if you will, where we're not becoming jealous, like, oh, you get to be an arm in the body. I'm a foot. Like, you know, those type of thing. You're not like looking at other people's giftedness and, and their roles in life as a threat against yours, but more so like even finding more value in what you're doing and even being able to appreciate what they're doing because you're benefiting from it just as much as they are. So. Yeah. Appreciation. That's a good word. Appreciation. Being able to appreciate the differences, being able to appreciate what you add and what you can add and what you can receive. Like, that's really good. I like that. Appreciation. Shame. 
healthy shame is about appreciation and identity. So, exactly. So, and this wants to, I just want to, as we wrap up toward the end here, is I'm thinking about wanting to give people like a, I love definition. So, wanting to help tease out toxic shame, if you think about like, what is that, is going to be a judgment on your dependency, on your need, neediness. It is um, speaks to rejection, rejection of self, rejection of God, like having needing him because um, now you want to be self-reliant. And also um, just that rejection of having any type of um, being able to make any type of mistakes or being needy or being humanity. Needy. Yeah. The rejection of your humanity. While healthy shame is talking about that acceptance and that appreciation, um, self-acceptance, appreciation of how you are made, appreciation of how others are made, and speaks to that vulnerability piece where I can open up, I can be empathic, I can be vulnerable, um, all of those things, which are going to keep us in the healthy area of shame and keep us human, which I think is important. Yeah, absolutely. This is good. Yes. Any other thoughts before we end today? That's all I have, really. Um, be naked and unashamed in who you are. Um, it's so and freeing. It's so freeing. Be it's so freeing. Like be okay with the limitations. Be okay with just um, who you are, and it's all right. It's okay. You need a little bit of you need a little bit of humility. You know, the word of God says to be willing to be made low before the Lord and he will exalt you in due time and your gifts will make room for you. They will. So we don't have to like strive to keep up this appearance and keep up these thoughts and these perceptions that are impossible to withhold. That is not even really us. Like remove the facade and just be genuinely yourself. And if you experience a, a moment of shame of like oh like I thought that I could do more but I actually can't that's okay like accept it and then grow through it mm-hmm. and remain curious <laughs> just remain yeah. curious um that would be something I add to that well thank y'all so much for listening um we love you so much and let's continue to heal together and we'll see you next time on the healing station bye y'all